Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. I'm your host, Sarita Biswasan. Thanks for joining us today. Each summer, whilst enjoying the warm summer weather, we are also in the presence of fire danger. Bushfire activity can pose a major threat on such days, and the source of how the fires originate can be unclear. Now known as Black Summer, The 2019-20 bushfire season across Australia was catastrophic, with over 1.5 million hectares of land burnt in Victoria and over 10 million hectares destroyed nationwide. Fires can also start due to reckless actions made by members of the community. Reckless behaviour can include disobeying restrictions relating to total fire ban or fire danger periods, leaving campfires unattended, burning off without a permit, or using hot tools or machinery that emits flames or sparks on total fire ban days. Joining us today to discuss bushfire arson and reckless fire activity are Detective Acting Inspector Mark Kennedy and Detective Acting Senior Sergeant Glenn Weaver of Victoria Police's Arson Squad. In the first of our two-part discussion, we learn about how bushfires are being managed this summer, Victoria Police's arson squad, and how they track down firebugs, and how the public can help play a role in solving arson-related crime. Before we continue, please hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast player to keep up to date with all future Crime Stoppers Victoria podcasts. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Joining us on the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast today are Detective Acting Inspector Mark Kennedy and Detective Acting Senior Sergeant Glenn Weaver. Thanks for joining us today. Good afternoon. It's great to be here. Thank you, Shree. It's great to be here. Fantastic. Well, we've got a bit to chat on today and the discussion is on bushfires and reckless fires. It is a... that time of the year when fire activity is quite prominent within the state of Victoria. So before we get into that in detail, what um, it would be great to learn about the both of you, Mark and Glenn, and, uh, and about what you do at Victoria Police. Uh, well, I'll start off. So Mark Kennedy, so I've been at the Arson Squad uh, for about 14 months now. 
having transferred from another squad within the Crime Command, and that was the Missing Persons Squad. And I was at Missing Persons for approximately about two and a half years. And before that, I was out in the regions, out at um, North West Metro at Footscray at the um, Sexual Offence and Child Abuse Investigation Unit for a number of years and at the CIU unit for about a year following that and then decided to come back into Crime Command to investigate the uh, serious, the more serious and uh, organised crime. Oh, excellent. So that's me, yeah. Um, it's my second stint in the arson squad. I was a, a senior detective here back in 2005 or 2006 and I've uh, come back here as a, um, my actual role is as a, de- a detective sergeant. Um, and I think I've been back here for about four years now. So before that I was an instructor at detective training school and had been at uh, Crime Command at various squads over the, over the journey to get here now. So it's a terrific theme. I enjoy investigating it and all the challenges that go with it. Let's uh, take our discussion to bushfires and... What can you say about the 2021 bushfire season and how things are travelling along? Um, Unusually at the moment this season, they say, the Bureau of Meteorology tell us uh, that we're we're in a La Nina at the moment, which is a 10-year global weather cycle. La Nina means it's a wet cycle. So in this part of the globe, we're we're going to face a, a prolonged wet period so they're calling it a normal but delayed bushfire season, predominantly because of that forecasted wet weather, which we, you know, we've had an unusual summer. We've had some really hot days, but a lot of wet weather, a lot of rain, heavy rain, and we're still in that period of sort of forecasted uh, a bit more wet weather. So hence the bushfire season we're expecting uh, will be delayed for a little while, and we think of and we're hoping, certainly, that it'll be a, uh, a normal bushfire season. Um, we certainly haven't had those catastrophic, catastrophic, um, extreme, prolonged bushfire campaigns that we faced last year. Well, well that's yeah. a positive. Yeah. I, I guess with looking at last year, that was a you know, catastrophic level of fires. In terms of being able to move from, from what happened last summer to where we are now, has there been any changes in the way that the response is from a, a policing standpoint? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, there's always lessons learned, which is, which is important. But um, the preparations this summer are much the same as previous um, bushfire periods, I suppose. There's been the briefings, there's been um, the... Um, the input from the Bureau of Meteorology, as Mark touched on, and, and other areas. So from an overall emergency response, we're in a similar period of preparation and anticipation and um, uh, the planning that's already occurred is um, is, is is ongoing, I suppose, in, in our um, responses, anticipated responses for this season as well. From that from that perspective, it's, it's business as usual. Oh, well, that's good to hear. As far as bushfires as a whole, what would you say is the reason why they're always a threat each summer? Well, they're always a threat because regardless of the cause, whether it's uh, an act of nature or deliberate human interventions, like someone deliberately lights a bushfire or it's that reckless, negligent behaviour, sometimes, sadly and tragically, 
the result of that action and the start of the bushfire can have the same devastating result, um, if you get what I mean. Mm. Last summer season we had, uh, I think on the 21st of November, the, the dry lightning strikes because of the atmosphere, um, which started off uh, a number of large campaign bushfires which had a, a very similar devastating result of all those properties damaged. People died tragically. Uh, a lot of communities and farms burnt. Um, that resulting fire can be the same as if it's caused some other way. So, yeah, bushfires, can, uh, there's a lot of angst and uh, anxiety about them, rightly so, because they can be so devastating, mm. regardless of how they're caused. Yeah. And with that, as far as policing a response to a bushfire, is it hard to establish whether there was a criminal element to um, its starting? We always have an open mind and because there's so many ways they can start, um, we have to have an open mind looking into um, natural causes, human intervention, as, as, as Mark touched on. So initially you have an open mind in relation to how the fire started. Um, there's the emergency response, if you like, in relation to protecting people, protecting properties, and, and um, that, that's par for the course in relation to a major fire event. After the emergency response, we move into the investigation phase at some point, the recovery phase and the investigation phase. And from a squad perspective, that's really our, our bread and butter in relation to um, um, uh, bushfire response, we get more involved in the investigation phase and that's exactly what we're trying to do to establish the cause and origin of how the fire started and from that open mindset, is it natural causes, is it more hu uh, human intervention, misadventure, um, recklessness, whatever the case might be and that's part of what we need to do is to determine the cause and origin of the fire and then trace how the fire has progressed from its early phases to as by example, last year, the catastrophic event that it led to and the major campaign fires that, that evolved in East Gippsland, mm. which went on for months from when they first started, as Mark touched on in November, to its eventual, um, I think it was early January, February, when mm. it had those major impacts That's on, right. in the, on those Gippsland towns. Well, yeah, that, it's good that you, you can actually make those steps as far as the investigation's concerned. And as far as the, the makeup of your team in the arson squad... How is it comprised of? Well, Mark's obviously the inspector at the moment, but inspector, uh, detective inspector, detective senior sergeant. We have four teams of uh, detective sergeant and um, uh, three or four um, team members of detective senior constables. So we have four teams. Uh, we provide a 24-7 response um, for the state. So over summer, it can get a bit demanding, particularly... As an example, by last fire season, we were stretched and um, uh, at East Gippsland for periods of time because of the catastrophic and uh, massive volume nature of the fires that occurred there, as well as um, our normal response, for want of a better term, in relation to uh, fire events right around the state. It's terrific that you can be that flexible and able to respond to such incidents. In terms of your response to, to arson and, and fires uh, across the state, what would be the breakup between bushfire response and other fires that are uh, that take place? It's really hard to say, Sri, statistically, the breakup. I mean, obviously, f 
for example, last bushfire season, we responded to the um, dry lightning strikes, East Gippsland um, prolonged bushfires because they went for so long, and also Wangaratta, Corriong, yeah. and there were certain fires that started in uh, southern New South Wales, just above our border, and then they travelled into Victoria, and vice versa, Victorian fires that travelled into New South Wales. And we re- the arson squad responded to assist the regions, the regional police, and all the agencies, the firefighting agencies, in response to those fires. So that can take up a lot of time, our time, and a lot of uh, human and, and physical resources. Um, and then throughout the year, though, it's different where we respond to many other different types of fires, yeah, which is predominantly the, the very serious and sadly the fatal fires, um, where the cause is either unknown or suspicious. The arson squad have... Uh, we're in charge of those investigations. We take on the responsibility of those investigations. Um, some, sometimes if it's an accident, the regional police will do it and we'll assist them in many aspects of that investigation because it's so complex. Mm. Yeah. Well, that, that's good to hear. Yeah. As far as the human involvement with bushfires and, and how they start, is that something that your team of detectives would would be able to ascertain within a short space of time or does it take a longer period of time to let all the debris and all that to to really settle down before you can really find out these uh, pieces of information? First of all, it's got to be safe. So um, a lot of of our response is um, dictated by um, trees falling, the fire activity. Sometimes the fire burns back on itself. So if in really remote um, areas or areas of you know, massive topography with hills and, and so on, you don't want to put yourself or your team at harm's way. Well, you can't for obvious reasons in relation to that. So as long as it's safe and we um, seek guidance and information and support from the fire agencies and um, DELP in particular in relation to um, responding and being safe to respond. If we get that information and it's safe, it's really a collaborative approach. Um, our role with fire investigators from the agencies and also arson chemists who are um, attached to the Victoria Police Forensic Services Centre at the Fire and Explosion Unit. Um, they're specifically trained scientists, background people who can um, look at indicators of fire and work back to an area where fire started and then work with us in relation to try and find, find out how and where the fire started. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of... Um, variable contributors into when we can go in there and part of the process is identifying that area and then searching for evidence in relation to how a fire started and and working from there in relation to um, where we go, Mm. what the indicators are telling us and how we conduct the investigation from there. Yeah, well, that's interesting to learn. I think the safety element would be paramount as far as uh, being able to identify, you know, the causes and, and the like. But... What, what could you say from a public standpoint in terms of their ability to uh, be being able to notice um, such suspicious behaviour that might trigger a, a deliberate fire? Well, we ask the public because, um, you know, they know when they live in a certain area and they're there day to day, every day, and they can see what's normal and what's not normal, um, particularly farmers in remote area or people living in uh, mountainous uh, remote, more remote areas, 
um, they can see that what's normal and what's not. And we ask them if they see some abnormal behaviour, even if they think how insignificant it is or, or that person may appear to be, to ring Crime Stoppers and, and make a report and let us know. Or let someone know, let their local policeman know if they're concerned about it and, uh, you know, if there's someone that they don't normally see, particularly on a total fire ban day, doing something suspicious to, to uh, report it. Yeah, well, that, That's great. Yeah. If it's not a person, it could be a vehicle, it could be anything that's out of the norm. Um, mm. Have an open mind with that, that yeah. of what's, what's out of the norm and, and make sure that it gets reported mm. to someone, be it Crime Stoppers or the local policeman or whatever the... Whatever's easier to make sure we get that information. For sure. With uh, firebugs, are there any sort of uh, trends that you notice when uh, identifying after doing the investigation that, oh, well, arsonists are seeming to use this method in order to start a fire. Are there any sort of patterns of behaviour you're able to provide? Well, bearing in mind that, that most fires... Um, they're mostly caused because of the reckless, negligent behaviour, and, and that may not be... De- it's obviously not deliberate behaviour, but it's reckless behaviour of that leaving a campfire. Um, and year after year, it's a bit of a consistent problem of people lighting a campfire and leaving it unattended um, for a short time or even just leaving the fire completely when they've done their camping for the weekend on the Murray River and they leave the fire and just leave it alone and drive away and then it gets away. Um, but getting back to your question about arsonists, uh, I mean, there's the ones that we've seen, that there's patterns of arsonists picking a remote road in a secluded area uh, on a dry, hot day and deliberately igniting uh, dry grass in a paddock. Um, that seems to be a pretty common occurrence mm. where there seems to be no other plausible explanation for the ignition of the fire. Um, that seems to be a common cause and a common practice. If you notice a car, as Glenn said, a car or, or a person who seems to be on a remote road for no reason, particularly if the car stopped and there's no one at the car, to, we ask people to report that. Mm. Yeah. Well, looking at uh, the public's involvement in reporting information, what can you say about previous cases you may have solved that public information provided has been integral well, without going into specifics, uh, there's, there are cases that I'm aware of where people have seen a, a person just walking through a paddock in a fairly remote, and I'm talking uh, the East Gippsland area, walking, a person walking through a paddock that had no real reason uh, to be in that paddock, but, but this person was getting from one road to another and took a shortcut because his car had broken down. Uh, after allegedly lighting a fire and he was trying to get out very quickly and this farmer noticed this person and reported it and it came to the attention of the police and in the end it helped to solve that particular case because he took the time to notice to actually report that person. That's excellent. Well, uh, yeah, we certainly encourage the public to uh, report, as as your example (laughs) illustrates, it can really play a, a key role. A pivotal role, yeah. Thanks for listening to part one of our two-part discussion on bushfire arson and reckless fires. Keep listening to part two, where we continue our discussion with Detective Acting Inspector Mark Kennedy and Detective Acting Senior Sergeant Glenn Weaver of Victoria Police's Arson Squad 
and take a look into reckless fire behaviour and its subsequent impacts. This is the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.